This is how uh, we just want you to know that God loves you and that uh, you give all glory always to God. Anything you see good in me, and then I know Brennan would say this in the rest of our worship team, anything good you might see in us only comes from the Father. So uh, don't mistake the man for the giver. <laughs> As a church, we've been really uh, honing in on prayer and asking some questions about prayer, and you're going to start to hear more and more about prayer, uh, because we believe that prayer is the, the very beginning of our relationship and communication with God. I also know that some people really aren't comfortable praying, and I, I get that. I do. Um, I can't imagine life without praying for people and in constant conversation with God personally, but um, I've got a lot of really close people in my life who aren't real comfortable talking out loud, and, uh, but I want to invite a friend to come up who uh, prayer has changed her life and is changing the lives of others. Uh, we walk on Mondays, generally speaking, at 11 a.m., and we pray for our village here. We pray on Thursday evenings, and we pray on Sunday mornings together. The staff started praying on Tuesday mornings together for you. We pray for the church and the communities. And uh, Kelly Ward is a, is a sister in Christ and one who is a prayer warrior. She's going to share just a little testimony with you about uh, prayer. You ready? Okay, come on up here. It's a little bit nerve-wracking being up here, but I'm going to use this microphone for Kelly. And uh, Kelly, if you just, I'm going to give you the microphone and you just hold that baby close. Okay. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Hey. <laughs> uh, Jesus, thank you for Kelly. Lord, may the testimony that she shares bring glory to you. And uh, may it be encouraging and empowering to a people of God but might you receive honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I love you all so much. And I love this church. And I love the way the truth of God is preached with a seriousness and a reverence. And I look forward to that every week. And it's so missing, right? Back in May, Pastor Joe mentioned that we are unlikely candidates who can choose to be bold for Christ. So, who am I? My name is Kelly Ward. My husband, Jeffrey, and I were originally from the area. We now live in Texas eight months of the year, where Jeffrey and I volunteer at our church there at the Lay Counseling Ministry, and we do marriage counseling. And we are also on the prayer team here in Bemis Point, which we, when we're not here, we call in by phone every week. And those two ministries started out being what we kind of did, and now it's how we live. And they have provided the most amazing place to go and seek the scriptures. And the reason I'm up here today is because in my quiet time preparing for our prayer team time, I got a nudging from the Holy Spirit to share this with you. And it's sort of a prayer poem, okay? Um, 
God says he chooses the foolish and weak. And I picture myself as a flimsy straw that the power of God might flow through. In spite of me. Our pastors have been encouraging us to get quietly alone before God with Jesus, to be still, to listen, so we can hear what God has to say, to pause, to wait and watch. When scripture gets into our spirit, it does something in us, it does something for us, and through us in delightful and unexpected ways. So the scripture that I meditated on, I guess I approached Pastor Tom several weeks ago, and I thought, oh boy, I just offered something, I'm in it now, <laughs> um, is John 3.30 says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Can we all say that? Say that with me. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now say it like you mean it. He must increase, but I must decrease. So, um, if I leave you with one thing here today, is that conviction is a gift, and without it, we're not growing. So use that gift wisely. And so I'm going to pray and then say the poem that the Holy Spirit helped me all the way. And I invite you to keep your eyes closed and really listen. So I'm going to pray now. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us through your incredible word that we get to meditate on. What a privilege. I pray this glorifies you and blesses someone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is personal. He and I, you and me. More of you is all I really need. I'll push away every distraction because you deserve my full affection. Lord, you must increase. Grant me ears to listen, for the gift you give is individual conviction. This world is growing strangely dark, but we're called to be salt and light. Draw the one in front of us so they might want what's right. Salt stings and light exposes, but it's high time we make you noticed. The things we see are happening make way for much concern. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, granting wisdom to discern. Many souls are perishing and know not what they do, lovers of self and following everything but you. There's someone in our lives we long to see you reach, trusting in your wisdom to season all our speech. We need you more on every level, and I'm asking you this day, with your righteousness, heal the blind and help them find the way. Lord Jesus, you must increase, and we should make you great. Idol worship of other things is only producing hate. Many things take up time and steal our attention, and for it we'll give an answer on that day of redemption. We're living in a time of grace that's oh so quickly fading. How different things would look if more had been obeying. The solutions of the world offer control, success, and power. My spirit grieves for all the lost. 
in this desperate hour. Rebellion says, enthrone yourself and remove God from every place. No wonder all the lawlessness, this planet a disgrace. Time is soon approaching when the day of the Lord is near. Thank you for teaching me to have a reverent fear. What joy we'll have when tongues confess and every knee will bend. The high and mighty will be leveled with the judgments that you'll send. Use us in our families and everyone we meet. Make us ready vessels to be your hands and feet. For your name's sake, reach all our children, for it's you alone who can. So they will sing your praises and learn to take a stand. John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Faith instead of fear, abundant hope, joy, and peace, all a result of your increase. We are your ambassadors, representatives of Christ. Let us go with confidence, for it's you alone who paid the price. I thank you for this verse that clearly helps me see what I must remember daily is more and more of you, but less and less of me. Thank you, Kelly. I think we'd like to make that available to people, if that's okay. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to be able to read it and process through it. And uh, so we'll make that available on our Facebook page, I think, and maybe on our uh, website, hopefully by the end of the week. I want to do something a little bit different uh, for preaching today. Two weeks ago, I challenged you to be still and to wait. After I left, I realized that I noticed more and more people, not necessarily us here, but more and more people just doing the weird thing of sitting and doing absolutely nothing. And most of them were senior folks. A few different men were sitting underneath trees, just sitting there. No phone, no book, just sitting there. I thought to myself, hmm, that's very strange. Be still and know that I am God. Two weeks ago, I shared about Elijah and the passing of the mantle to Elisha, right? Last week, I'm so encouraged by the youth coming up, aren't you? Last week, what a beautiful service they gave us. Yeah, and uh, the testimonies of some of our seniors, what God is doing in their lives. Um, you can... You can be confident in the people of God that are coming up. But I want to do something a little bit different today. I want to uh, kind of teach through the text. And um, more and more, I'm convinced that what we are navigating as a problem as people of God is that we don't read the scriptures enough. So we go to all other places for information rather than going to the word of God for information. And I, I want to start with a question, and um, I asked you earlier to think about a desperate solution that you might find yourself in, or maybe you haven't ever been desperate. That's going to raise a red flag for you, I think, in a little bit, but um, desperate situations often require humble solutions. But the, the question that I want to ask you is, who do you go for, to for information, 
When you have a question, where do you go? You don't have to answer that out loud, but we live in a culture that, you know, is really quick to pull out their smartphone and ask the great Google, right? (laughs) Google will know. Who is Google anyway? I don't know. (laughs) Who is Google? Who do you go to when you have a question or you have a serious problem? My go-to when I was growing up, and I don't remember when this changed. It just stopped all of a sudden. I was, trying, I was thinking about that, and I was asking, why, why did I stop going there? I used to go to my dad. He was a source of wisdom and knowledge, and he always pointed me to the Lord. Always. Now, I guess it's, kind of, I mean, he was a preacher, so it was kind of his profession to do that, right? But no, he just loved Jesus. I don't remember when I stopped going to him, though. But it definitely happened. I mean, there was a time when I stopped seeking wisdom from a godly person. And I started to think that I had all of the answers. Maybe that sounds a little bit familiar. (laughs) You see, that's called pride, actually. Today I want to navigate the story of Naaman. If you're not familiar with Naaman, we're going to be over the next several weeks looking at some of the prophets. Uh, Naaman was not a prophet, but Naaman was a recipient of the grace of God through a prophet, and that prophet happens to be Elisha. Remember, Elijah is no more. He walked with God. He's gone, right? Well, Enoch walked with God. Elisha rode off in the chariot, and, right? But Elisha is the man of God, and Naaman was a very well-respected human being. He was a valiant warrior, he was respected in the, in the community and in the country. He was sought after. But Naaman had a problem. He had a disease called leprosy. Some of you that are in the medical field know that leprosy has lots of different uh, faces, actually. It presents in lots of different ways. But leprosy for Naaman was a bad scenario, actually. He was outcast by society now because it was highly contagious, and He was no longer, if he would have been a follower of God, which he was not, by the way, he would have been excommunicated from temple worship because of the disease. It also meant that Naaman was most likely going to die a pretty painful death. What happens in leprosy is it literally rots the flesh and eventually things start falling off. It usually starts with the hair. And then nose, lips, fingers, and, you, I mean, you can kind of get the picture now. Um, some of you are, some of you have navigated terrible diseases. So you understand maybe a little bit better than those of us who are not navigating such things what Naaman might have felt like in a moment of desperation. I'd like to pray for you for a moment and then we'll dive into the text. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. God, I ask that the word of God would come alive for the people of God and that whether through me or in spite of me, you would uh, minister to us. Come, Holy Spirit, come quickly. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So we pick up the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it begins like this. It says, now Naaman, we're going to be about 15 verses into this, so just we're going to walk through it together. If you brought your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn there. Because uh, I'm going to pause and share a little bit of stuff along the way, okay? And then I'm going to give you some practical usage, hopefully. 
It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through Naaman the Lord had given victory to Aram or Aram. He was a valiant soldier. Here comes the big butt. But he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served as Naaman's she served Naaman's wife. Pause just for a moment. This young girl was an Israelite girl, okay? Uh, Aram was the, the, the country of Syria, basically. And, and this young girl had been educated in the Jewish faith, okay? That is very important to the text. It's very, very important. You see, one of the things that we neglect as people of God is studying the scriptures and being steeped in discipleship. That's a fancy word that we use, but really being taught what the Bible says and what it means when it says this. This young girl was also, uh, she could be identified as an unwilling missionary. Yeah, some of you are chuckling because you know what happens. She was a captive. Don't miss that piece of the, the scriptures. She was kidnapped and taken as a slave to Naaman's wife. Some of you probably feel like slaves at work. You too could be an unwilling missionary. goes on to say that uh, she said to her mistress, or Naaman's wife, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of leprosy. Do you see what just happened in the text? The slave girl testified about what she knew. She knew who God was. She found herself in a very peculiar situation at just the right time. Desperate situations often require humble solutions. Naaman, it says, verse 4, went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. So Naaman goes to the king and says, hey, listen, this girl said I can be healed if I go see the prophet. So the king says to him, by all means, go. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. This should be good, right? So he's going to put a little weight behind it, right? It's like dad sending the excuse to school or mom said no, no. <laughs> he's going to send some weight with it and uh, says, uh, <laughs> says so Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing does that sound like a lot to you it should he was just going to see a prophet why on earth was Naaman bringing all of this stuff because Naaman was accustomed to getting his way. Naaman was accustomed to paying for whatever it is that he needed. He was accustomed to just getting things done, right? He's Naaman, a commander in the king's army. It just happens. We overtake people, we have money and power, and I am the man. Yet inside, Naaman is navigating some other stuff. It says the letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. It says, with this letter... 
I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. Do you see what was missed there? Why on earth did he send him to the king? Did the little girl say, go to the king? Who did the little girl tell Naaman to go see? The prophet. That's right. You got to read the scripture. You got to not miss things. The little girl said, go see the prophet. Naaman said, well, I'll go to the king. We want to go right to the top. Right? It says the king... Uh, responded this way. He says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? You should probably also know that there was a feud going on between these two kings. Like it was like they were navigating a little bit of peace right now, but it was on real thin ice and it was probably just blown up, to be honest. And this is what happens says, see how this man is trying to pick a quarrel with me. Desperate situations often require humble solutions. There was a lot of stuff taking place in the world at that time. Evil, bad stuff. Just like there is lots of stuff taking place right now in our culture. I wonder, and one of the questions that as we were preparing to preach today, one of the questions that we asked was, where are you finding yourself desperate? I mean, you don't have to stand up and share that, unless, of course, the Lord is convicting you to do so. And if you're not finding yourself desperate, there might be something wrong. Remember C.S. Lewis in uh, his great work, The Screwtape Letters, when Wormwood was talking to Lucifer, said, what should I make them do? What grievous sin should I make them engage in? And Lucifer said to his young nephew, oh, it's not, it's not grievous sin. Just lull them to sleep. Get them to read the newspaper a little bit longer. If Lewis were still alive and writing today, it would have said, get them to check their Facebook feed a little bit more frequently. Have them send out a few more tweets, right? Snapchat, I think that's a thing. There's a whole bunch of them. We've been lulled to sleep. And we're missing the mark. Maybe you do find yourself desperate. This is live time. Yesterday we were hauling the camper home, heard this sound of a, of a plastic bag in the wind. You know that sound? I can't do it with my mouth. Or it, Yeah, that's, that's pretty close. You're, they're trying to. You can try it. Go ahead. Whatever it is, you know. You know the sound, right? And my girl's like, Dad, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. It must have been a bag or something. And we get into Gary and we're coming outside of Gary and all of a sudden, bang! I'm like, whew! We blew a tire on the trailer. <laughs> And it caused a lot of damage. And I pulled over and I was pretty desperate in a moment. And I'm like, now what am I going to do? And you know what I did? I started to go through the Rolodex of people that I know. My kids will tell you he's got a guy for that. Anybody else got a guy for that? Men out there, I know I'm talking to you right now, right? You get in over your head, I got a guy for that. Or your buddy's got a problem, I got a guy. I got a guy. Go see this guy right here, right? 
I got a guy for that. I was in a desperate situation. It wasn't really life or death. It was just a blown tire, but I had to figure it out. Some of you are in desperate situations right now. Others are in desperate situations, but you don't even know it yet. What's your response going to be? Elisha, the man of God, says this. He said, he heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, and he sent him this message. <laughs> I just, sometimes I crack, my, I, I don't crack myself up. The scriptures make me laugh because I can see it playing out. Why are you tearing your robes? <laughs> and then Elisha says this, and listen very, very carefully. Don't miss this. It says, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and all the pomp and all the circumstance and all the money that he brought and all the goods that he brought, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. It says, uh, <laughs> Naaman was accustomed to getting what he wanted. Would you think it was rude if you came to my house, knocked on the door, and I didn't come and answer the door? That might happen at my house. I'm just saying. I'm not there very often. That's what happened. Elisha bellowed from the back room. Hey, hey, go tell Naaman to wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, you see what's happening here? Pride is settling in firmly. I thought that he would surely come out to me. I had this idea of what this man of God was going to do and how God was going to respond to my desperate situation. Because my situation matters. It says, so I thought that he would surely come and stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God. Notice that's a very important word right there, by the way, his. Underline that. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Done. Are not Abinar and Farpa the rivers of Damascus? That's good water. Why on earth would I want to go to the Jordan River, he says. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. How do you leave in a rage in a chariot? I mean, think about that. And in your car, you're burning out and going down the road, right? Giddy up! Made it a point to tell us that he left really angry. It says, Naaman's servants went to him. And said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? That was really creative language by these servants, wasn't it? Talk about like diffusing a situation. They were masterful in it. And then they said this, how much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I want to point out just a couple of things before we come to this table for communion. 
Naaman had no relationship with God. None. But other people did. And those that knew God told Naaman where to go, didn't they? A little girl in a very difficult situation said, go see the prophet. She pointed to where to go. His servants, after he was in a, in a, in a fury, said, hey, why don't you go do what the prophet said? You drove all this way, but they, they used logic and reason with him. Church, I'm wondering what has to happen for you to become desperate for an answer. And where are you going for your answers? It's time the church stopped thinking we hold the corner market on everything individually. And we started to rely fully on the Lord. The Jordan wasn't a great place to go and get washed in at that time. But Naaman did it because others encouraged him. The result? The leprosy went away. That'd be a good day, I think. I mean, I've never had leprosy. I've had some other weird diseases, but I've never had leprosy. I had COVID. (laughs) It's good when it goes away. But Elisha did something very significant. And I want to point this out. Elisha never went out and addressed Naaman, did he? You know what the tendency is? I've prayed over lots of people Lots and lots of people have been healed by God alone with me laying on hands upon them. You know what the go-to is at that point? They want to come back for Joe to lay his hands on them. And that's a huge mistake. And Elisha, I think, I think, Elisha didn't go out so that he wasn't involved in this at all. It was simply God doing a miraculous work. The very next verse, the very next verse gives the conclusion to the story. It says, Now Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. Church, we live in a culture and in a time where we have everything at our fingertips. And yet, I sit and I counsel with lots and lots and lots of people who are longing for the answer. I met with a friend recently who said, he said, Joe, he said, I am, he's, he's well-respected, he's got a great job, and he's been faithful for the most part. And he says to me, he says, and I have no idea why I am here. My life is pretty much meaningless. And I said, what I'll tell all of you, and I tell anybody that'll give me an ear, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And until you become desperate and allow God to fill you up, 
you're going to long and you're going to search and you're going to fill the void with all types of other things. And you're going to look in all the wrong places. Don't wait for a crisis to become desperate for the Lord. Because if you're waiting for the crisis to become desperate for the Lord, when the crisis comes, you won't go to the Lord. You'll go to every other avenue but the Lord. And hopefully, by the grace of God, someone along the way will say, just like that slave girl, hey, I know a prophet in Israel. Go see that guy. And others might even be willing to be insubordinate and say, hey, God's trying to do a thing here. Why don't we at least engage? I was listening to David Jeremiah this morning. I know, crazy. He shared a fun statistic that was very difficult to hear. He didn't give his source, so I don't know. But he said it was reliable. If you were listening at 5.30 this morning, you know what I'm talking about. He said, uh, one in three human beings have never heard the name of Jesus. Right now, one in three. And an even greater percentage, that's 66%, and an even greater percentage of those that have heard the name of Jesus don't believe in Jesus. We've got some work to do, church. And now is the time. Your marriages, they depend on it. Your workplaces, they depend on it. Your relationship with your children, it depends on it. Your engagement with life and culture and the world depends upon it. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the world is a broken place. It needs more Jesus. Are you desperate enough? And then are you willing to share what you've learned? Like that little slave girl. Or like the other servants. Say, hey, go back there. So that you too might hear that testimony. Hey, there is indeed a God And I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Father, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would burden your church right now with a a sense of urgency to be in the word of God so that when people come looking for answers, we can give them the answer. That the stories of Jesus would become our stories. And that we would always point to you. Father, forgive us where we have not done that. Free us today for joyful, joyful dependence upon you. In the name of Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.